Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Today, we're going to begin a new series called The Kingdom of Heaven. Kiddos, you're dismissed to your... Don't let me forget that. You're dismissed to your time right now. Thank you, wonderful volunteers that are serving back there. We love you guys. Awesome. Today, we're starting a brand new series called The Kingdom of Heaven. The Kingdom of Heaven. And it's something that we sang about. It's something that we prayed in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I found that that term, kingdom of heaven, is kind of an elusive terminology, right? It's something that we hear. It's something that we see. In fact, we see it like in in movies. There was a a movie, I think I have a picture of this, of the kingdom of heaven, right? And when Jesus was preaching about the kingdom of heaven, do you think that's what he's picturing? The Crusades? No, 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 no. I I, I don't think so, right? So this term, kingdom of heaven, is, is an elusive term, and it's meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people over the years. However, um, it is the central theme of the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, the kingdom of God. Jesus, this was the central theme, the thrust of Jesus' teaching was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In fact, he, he, that, that term kingdom appears 162 times in the New Testament alone. 126 of those times were just in the Gospels, Jesus preaching about the kingdom. And if this is the the storyline of the Bible, if this is the, the thrust of our Savior's teaching, don't you think we should know what it means, right? And if this is the priority of the scripture and of his teaching, shouldn't this be the priority of our lives? And what would that even look like? And that's the the things that I want us to cover uh, in this series. And we're going to begin to answer those questions this morning. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, if you have a copy of the scriptures and want to turn there with me to Luke chapter 12. Um, We're going to look at these words of Jesus as he's walking with his disciples on the way to Jerusalem and he's teaching again about the kingdom and specifically the priority of the kingdom, the priority of the kingdom. Luke chapter 12, I'm gonna start reading in verse 22. It says, then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. 
If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? You of little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus tells them, put the kingdom first, right? You've probably read that in Matthew's gospel. Seek first the kingdom. Seek the kingdom and all these things that you're chasing after will be provided for you. And then he says, your father delights to give you the kingdom. What in the world is he talking about? Well, let's define the word kingdom. The the word kingdom means royal power, kingship, dominion, rule, or reign. The kingdom is the the territory that's subject to the king, right? That makes sense. A kingdom is where the king's rule and reign extends to. I found a quote from Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, and I thought this was helpful. He says, the kingdom is the story of God reclaiming his world in Jesus, informing a people who are going to live under the reign of the king. Uh, Another author said that the kingdom of God is where the father's rule is exercised through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it is willingly obeyed, gloriously displayed, and happily enjoyed among his people. You see, the kingdom is that that rule or reign of the king, and, and wherever we are underneath the rule and reign of the king, we are in the kingdom. And so this this kingdom is what Jesus described as it's here now. Jesus said, repent, change your mind, change your thinking, pay attention. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's right here. He said, it's among you. It's now. And clearly what Jesus is teaching his disciples here is that there's a kingdom that that has power, glorious power for us now. But just look at our world right now. Look at what's happening. The kingdom is not fully here yet. And we're going to look at those passages over the, the course of this series, how Jesus always, he's lifting our eyes to this different horizon of the kingdom that will fully come. It will fully come. Now, you and I are Americans, probably. You're probably American. Uh, most of us are American. And when we hear the word king or kingdom, we're like, 
does not compute, right? Because we are like, you know, we're, we're a democratic republic, we have a president, and most of our ancestors were probably running from a king, right? So like king and kingdom doesn't even compute, and honestly, for a lot of us, it doesn't even sound that great, all right? Let's be honest, it doesn't sound that great, and we're prone to be suspicious of people in authority, Right, that's just a cultural thing for us. We're, we're prone to be rebellious towards authority, right? That's, that's something in us as Americans that's just like, man, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And so when we talk about a king or a kingdom, it does not sound like great news. But I, here's the first thing that I think we need to understand is that the kingdom of God is really good news. The kingdom of God is really, really good news. In Luke chapter eight, verse one, it says that Jesus was traveling from town and village to, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. He's teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And that's repeated over and over in the New Testament. The good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. So what is the good news of the kingdom for people like us that like don't think about kings and kingdoms? Well, the first thing is the obvious thing is that there's a king. The good news of the kingdom is that there's, there's, there's a king. And it's a king who rules by birthright, meaning a king is not voted in or out, right? You can't just decide, ah, we don't like him anymore, he's gone, right? A king rules by birthright. The uh, angel told Mary, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Meaning, there's no way that we could have a never-ending kingdom without a never-ending king, that he has always reigned, and that he will reign forever and ever and ever. He is a king that rules and reigns by birthright. And that's really good news for us in a world that is really uncertain and really unsettled, and we're not quite sure what's going to come around the corner next. The second thing is it's, there's a king that has all authority. In fact, Jesus, you, you probably know the part in Matthew 28, 18, right before the Great Commission, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority. There's nothing impossible. He's the strong and good king. And when everything seems out of control, there's a king who has all authority who's still in control. That's good news. It's good news about a king because a king owns everything in the kingdom, right? A king can just kind of say, oh, yeah, we're going to take that. We're going to move this person here. We're going to do that. And it's like the king's word is it because he owns Everything and, and here we have Jesus talking about how God's going to provide for you. This father, this king, he's going to provide for you. And how in the world could, could the king provide for us unless the king already owns everything and has every resource at his disposal? 
He owns everything. Psalm 24, 1 said, the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. And a king's word is the kingdom law. It's the constitution. So there's this incredible moment where a centurion comes to Jesus and he kneels at his feet and his servant is, is, is paralyzed and in agony. And he comes and he begs. He said, come, please heal my servant. And Jesus, a Jew with a, a Roman centurion says, am I supposed to come and heal him? And the centurion says, I'm not worthy. Just say the word. Just say the word and he will be healed. And Jesus marvels and he says, I've not seen such great faith in Israel as I've seen in this person. Why? Because this man understood kingdom. He said, I'm a man under authority and I have others under my authority. When I say the word, he understood the power of a king who has a word. And when he speaks the word, the word becomes reality. It becomes law. And so Jesus, who has all authority, his, his word is like living. It's, it's this powerful word. So it's good news that we, are, that we have a king. The second thing is that the kings come to say, you can be his kid. And that's good news. It's good news. You're, you're his kid. If, if Christ is your Lord, like these people declared to us today, they're a kid of the king. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's a proclamation of the gospel is this, that you can be a child of God, a child of the king. And every kingdom has citizens, right? It, 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 it has people. And the story of the Bible is God rescuing a people to himself and Paul says Christians are citizens of heaven. He uses the language. We're citizens, that we have a, a citizenship higher than whatever our nationality is. But Jesus says here, he doesn't use the language of citizen. He uses the language of father. Your father delights to give you the kingdom. The king has kids. And you're one of the, those kids if Jesus is your Lord. And that's really, really good news because um, the way that a king loves his citizens is not quite the same as how a father loves a child, right? And that's the love of the king for you. And that's the, the third great news is that this king really cares about you. He really cares about you, And this is the point that Jesus is driving to, to these disciples about kingdom. Look, you have a king, he's a father, and he really, really cares about you. It's good news. The, the second thing that I think we need to understand from what Jesus is saying is that true liberty is found under the reign of the king. True liberty is found under the reign of the king. And he, he gives four don'ts in the, in the passage. I don't know if you caught them. He says, don't worry. Now, have you ever been in the grips of worry? Like the death grip of worry? You're just so worried about something. And maybe your spouse says to you, 
don't worry. How comforting is that? Anyone? Not at all, right? Husbands, have you tried that? Don't worry, dear. She's like, that helps me zero, right? Thanks for nothing. Doesn't help. Jesus says, don't worry. He says later, don't strive. Don't strive. He says, don't be anxious. Ever been in the death grip of anxiety before? Yeah? And your spouse is like, your friend is like, your pastor is like, don't be anxious. And you're like, again, not helpful. Not helpful. Don't be anxious. And later he says, don't be afraid. Do you have a child that gets scared at night? Right? They get scared. And it's like, you're just telling them, don't be afraid. There's, there's no boogeyman in your room, I promise. I've walked it three times tonight. There's no boogeyman in there. Don't be afraid. And the kid's still looking at the room like, oh my gosh, there's something, right? Because it's not helpful unless you really understand what Jesus is saying. You see, Jesus has actually come to free us from fear and worry and anxiety and striving. Jesus wants you to live a worry-free life, an anxiety-free life, a striving-free life. It's the way of the kingdom. This is what Jesus is saying. But he doesn't just give them an abstract sort of thing of like, don't worry. Don't worry. Instead, I imagine that they're walking to Jerusalem and he's teaching. And I imagine that there's literally ravens right there. And he says, consider the ravens. He gives them something right in front of their faces, right in front of their eyes that they can see. And he's like, consider the ravens. Like they don't have a bank account or a checking account. They've not invested in anything. They, they, don't, they, there's, they don't do anything, right? And yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than them? And there's flowers over here. And he's like, consider the flowers, right? Look how beautiful they are. And not even Solomon, the, the apex of, of Jewish wealth was clothed like this field is right here. Like, look at that. God did that. Don't you think he's going to clothe you? Jesus takes this, this very concrete thing that they could see and he, he applies it to the reality of their hearts is that like, no, no, you have a king that so deeply cares for you. You have a father and he really, really cares. And so Jesus says, look, the Gentile world they're running after all that stuff. Almost as if to say, and just look at them, right? They're, they're running after food and clothing and shelter and, and all the stuff. And just, just like look around. Look at everyone. Do, do you enjoy being worried? Do you enjoy being fearful? Do you enjoy being anxious? No, no. Nobody likes it. And look, the kingdom way 
is different. I've come to bring liberty. But here's the thing. Jesus knows that that fear and worry and anxiety and striving are contending for the very same space inside of our being as our faith is. That our faith and that fear, worries and striving are like, they're like both trying to get in, right? And fear is trying to come in and, and you're a believer and you're like, ah, I'm trying to get some faith in there because like the, the fear is rising, right? And Jesus is saying, look, here's, here's how we have to shift is that the king of the kingdom of heaven is like, we're going to have to begin to live from heaven into earth. We're going to have to begin to see things from the perspective of a father who loves, a king who has all authority and all power and all dominion, and he has all resources at his disposal. And guess what? He cares about you. And if you can begin to just let that sink in, it's actually going to push out the fear and the worry and the striving and the stress that just wants to just eat you alive. And here's the thing, is that our common current idea of liberty is the absence of authority. Because we're suspicious of it, right? We're, we're not sure what it would be like to have someone absolutely have authority over us. It's a little bit, our flesh reels against it, pushes it away, right? Our, our sinful pride doesn't want anything to do with it. And Jesus is like, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're going to have to come under the authority of the king. And this idea that um, liberty without authority, it's, it's actually anarchy. It doesn't work. It doesn't produce life and joy and peace in the goodness of God in us. Colossians 1.13, Paul said, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves, which means before you were under the authority of the king, you weren't free. You were under the, the devil's dictatorship. Hello? And Jesus is saying, look, I've come not to just, you know, subjugate you. I've come to liberate you but you're going to have to come under my authority and you will find liberty. It's found under the reign of the king. Last thing, and this is what Jesus is really getting at. God's kingdom demands our priority. Now I know if if your life was like the, the spokes of a wheel and it's like, or, or a pie, right? And you could say like, this is the God part, right? This is the God part. You know, this is, I go to church sometimes, most of the time. Um, I read my Bible sometimes. I pray a lot, right? That's where a lot of people are at, right? That's, that's the God part. And then I have my work part and I have my family part and I have my hobby part and I have my all my social things right and, and, and it's just like this mentality of like God gets a part and, and Jesus is saying no 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 you're going to have to like abandon that mindset and seek the kingdom first 
That word seek is, is to seek in order to find. It's, it's rooted in our desire. Seeking is not like aimless browsing. It's not mindless scrolling. Seeking is like a mother who loses her child in a crowded room and nothing is going to stop that mom from finding that child because she's got one thing on her mind. It's like, I've got to figure out where that little one is so that I can get them back to me. She's seeking something very, very specific. And Jesus is elevating the kingdom and saying, look, this is not just an add-on to our life. This is not an accessory for us. This is the main thing that we're about. Seek it first. Seek the kingdom. And it comes with a promise. All these things will be provided for you. And you're like, Yes, Lord, I need a Mercedes Benz. I need a Rolex. I, no, you, you know. That's not what Jesus is talking about, is he? All these things will provide it. What things? Well, food, clothing, shelter, things we need. It will be provided for you. All these things will be provided when the kingdom is your number one. Well, what's the thing with the people that don't have food? What about Christians that are lacking shelter? When I watch the news and I see families in Ukraine that are, are like pushing into these subway stations, right? And it's just heartbreaking seeing these kids and parents and grandparents and they're all just kind of sprawled out on the floor. And it's like, what about them? Like, what does this mean for them? that they, they, they're lacking food or clothing or shelter. Do all God's people always have these things? And why does Paul say, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness? Wait a minute, how did those get on the list? If all these things will be provided for you. He goes on. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Meaning, we get all the stuff, right? We're more than conquerors. He says, no, no, no. Because nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. Why does Jesus give the radical call to not only not seek all the stuff, but he says to sell some stuff so that you can give things away to people who need it? Is that so that you know, poor people could have a bunch of stuff? And I think the answer is no. I think what Jesus says is this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not so that poor people could have a bunch of stuff. It's so that the king could have your heart. The king could have your heart. How are we more than conquerors? Nothing could separate us from the king's love. And you will have everything you need to glorify him. Everything. You can trust that. And if you have one little scrap of bread and maybe a, th a few shreds of clothing and some shade somewhere, that's enough for you to glorify God. You'll have enough 
to glorify him. Some of you, your story's very different. You've had over super abundance. And guess what? It's the same thing for you. You have enough to glorify him. Whatever you have, it's the king's. If, if my fists are closed, nothing's going out, right? But nothing's coming in. But when I trust the king owns everything, including the things that are in my hand already, then everything is his and I'm free. I'm free. And the focus, the seeking, is that I have the heart of the king that will never, ever leave me. And then the question is simply this, and I think it's what Jesus is saying. Is there anything separating your love from the king? You'll never lose his heart, but is there anything blocking your heart from him? What's standing in the way from us seeking the kingdom first? Well, let's just talk about what does it look like to prioritize the kingdom. I don't think it means that at dinner time you go to your lazy boy and you flip the lever and you lay back and you open your mouth and get into a worshipful state and pray for a heavenly burrito to fall down and just fall into your mouth, right? That's not what that means. Right? I trust you, God. <laughs> no. He's not saying don't like make a meal, right? He's just saying don't eagerly seek after the stuff of the world. So that's not what it means. It's not that we just give up doing everything, but I do think it means that we let the reality of the king in the kingdom flood us with faith that pushes out the fear and the worry and the striving and the anxiety. To let the good news literally do a work in us. The good news of a king, a father who cares. It's good news that it's not all on you, but you have a king who cares. I think it does mean that we're to be honest about where our treasure really is, right? If your heart is not set on the king and the kingdom first, then today's the day to turn around and to change your mind. And to be honest, like, is there part of me that loves my sin more than my savior? Is there part of me that loves myself or my stuff more than the king or the kingdom? It's being honest. And I think this is the, the landing point it's to let this priority lead our decisions. This is what Jesus is after. Look, seek first the kingdom. All that will be provided. I want this to be the guiding principle of your life, the king and the kingdom of God. Now, that could look a lot of different ways. For me, it looks like moving my family from Round Rock, Texas to Richmond, Texas to plant a church because that's a crazy idea unless the Lord really did speak to me. I believe he spoke to me about planting this church and to seek first the kingdom was to let go all that stuff and to come here and to do this. It's one way it's looked at my life. For others of you, it's, it's looked like leaving a job. And you're like, I just, 
I don't have peace about this job. I feel like the Lord is moving me someplace else and I feel like I'm supposed to leave it and, and there's just a higher reason, right? And, and, it's not just, and it's not just stuff and money and all that. It's like, there's a reason why God is moving me and it's king and it's kingdom first. For another person, it's staying in a job that you might be deeply frustrated with and you're like, look, I, I'm so frustrated right now, but guess what? There's a higher purpose and God just hasn't released me and I don't have peace because it's king and kingdom first and I just want what he wants for me. I can serve him wherever he sends me. For some, it's, it's when you have that opportunity to upgrade the car or the house or the whatever standard of living, right? But then there's that thing in you, it's like, but what if I upgraded my giving? What, what, what kind of things can we do with that extra $100, $200, $300 a month to bless somebody, to bless a ministry or a missionary somewhere? For others, it might be your kids. What do we do with them? Do we, do we homeschool them? Do we send them to public school or private school? And in every one of those decisions, no matter where you land, is king and kingdom first. God, where do you want us? We'll serve you wherever, however that looks. And so we're to let the priority of the king in the kingdom lead our decisions. So friends, we have a king. We have a king who has kids. He's a king who loves us. He loves us so much that he left a throne to walk up a, a, a hill called Golgotha and to bear a cross for our sins, to die for his own citizens, his own people, and to raise again so that we, just like these people have, have shown us, could have newness of life, that we could, we could live from heaven to earth. And so I pray that we will be able to push out the fear, the worry, the striving, the anxiety, that we're able to be honest about our treasure or to let this priority lead our lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.